0: If you've never partaken of this before with these type cups, if you'll just peel the film off the top to expose the bread there and let me share with you some scripture before we partake of the bread. It says that as they were eating the Passover, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples. I'm going to ask Brother Bobby if he will to bless the partaking of the bread. You'll take the bread. He said, Take this bread. It represents my body as you eat it. And then next, you'll peel back the other piece of film to expose the cup. Now, I ask Brother Steve, if he will, to bless the partaking of the cup. the upper room and went to the Garden of Gethsemane, that they sang hymns, they sang songs. So if you would just stand with us, we're going to sing, bless, be the tide. If you would grab hands across the congregation there. can be seated. Thank you so much. Well, as we come to this time with our missionary moment. Uh, You had received the uh, prayer guide for our Annie Armstrong Easter offering uh, several weeks ago. There are still some of those around, so I'd encourage you uh, to get one of those. Uh, You'll notice in your bulletin uh, this morning that our missionary of the week is Kay Bennett. We actually showed a longer form video of this Uh, ministry in New Orleans uh, on a Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, but we wanted to share with you this morning uh, about what is going on with the ministry there, so prayerfully watch this video and listen to Kay as she shares the ministry you support there.
1: It's hard to explain to somebody what it's like to live on the street if they never lived on the street. Most of the people out on the streets either have mental illness or they have an addiction. I just went over the edge. Ended up getting heavy into some drugs, and I lost my job, I became homeless. I was constantly heat exhaustion, alcohol poisoning. I can literally say I was dying. Somehow my parents got a whole decay, and that's what opened up the door for me to become sober.
2: I met Yvonne, and she was homeless on the street, came to Friendship House, and things began to change in her life. Baptist Friendship House is a ministry center to folks that are impoverished, to folks that are unhoused, and to human trafficking survivors. We're able to provide them a meal. We're also able to meet those basic physical needs that that others may have. It opens the door to minister to the spiritual needs so that a life-changing relationship can begin with Jesus Christ. We have a creative arts time, and usually that's pottery. They'll begin to open up and start sharing things during that time. When you sit
1: there and you have the clay in your hand, you know what you're gonna be doing with it and what's gonna become of it. But the clay doesn't know what it's gonna have to go through to get to it.
2: Sometimes our lives are broken, and we're like just a big old lump of clay, and so lives can be molded and shaped by Jesus to be able to accomplish his perfect will. I have never seen a life change like Avon's. And it's just been amazing to watch God work in her life and then see how he's using her now in our ministry. I never would have thought that I
1: would be where I am today because I had no hope. This place saved my life.
2: When you give to Annie Armstrong, you have to make my ministry possible. Jesus never gives up on you, and so we should never give up on anybody else.
3: Brother Mark
0: Puckett, who is our Director of Missions for the Duck River Baptist Association, who's here with us this morning, if he would come and lead us in a time of prayer for our Missionary of the Week. Brother Mark.
4: Father, we do take this time to lift up our North American Mission Board missionaries and chaplains who are serving across this country and Canada in your name Planting churches, touching lives, helping people who need to know you to come to encounter Christ. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen, that you would encourage, that you would give direction, that you would open doors of opportunity for each one of these workers in your harvest field and help us as your churches to encourage and support them through prayer, through correspondence, through giving, and even through going to work alongside them in their fields. Lord, we thank you for the harvest that is yet to come. And we thank you for the privilege of being a part of it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.
0: Thank you so much, Brother Mark. Uh, if you don't know Brother Mark, uh, he has been serving as our Director of Missions for 11 years now? Twelve and a half years. <laughs> I tried to short him there. Uh, but he has done a wonderful job. He is going to be retiring as our Director of Missions uh, for the association. We're having a celebration uh, this afternoon from 1 to 4 over at First Baptist. So I encourage you to come by uh, and, and drop in just to encourage him. Uh, in the work that he's done, but just wanted to say thank you so much. Would you give him a hand for all that he's done? (laughs) Let me just say a couple of other quick things, too, as far as Uh, your offerings go you can do that online at our church website there at Highland Baptist Church go to the far right hand side click the give online tab you can do your regular offering if you're in person you can just put that in this kind of envelope Uh, they're on the wall back there in the windows here uh, on the stage even so be sure to pick up one of those we also have our Annie Armstrong Easter offering envelopes uh, that you can pick up also at those locations and you can also designate that on the church website there as you do uh, your regular giving let me just say also this coming it's hard to believe uh, that it's already going to be here upon us uh, this coming saturday i believe that's right we're having our easter egg hunt right
5: mm-hmm.
0: yes and so you see all the easter eggs up here so i want to encourage you uh, that as we close in prayer this after, this morning uh, at the end of our service. If you would just remember to pray for these Easter eggs too, because it represents the gospel going out the children uh, as we'll be sharing the gospel with them. Uh, Laura will be sharing that with them in the group here. We have about 300, 350 uh, kids that come through and it's an awesome opportunity uh, for us to reach out to our community, not only to the kids, but also to their families. So be in prayer uh for that and then you'll notice some other things that are there uh in your bulletins and some upcoming things. You'll hear more about those at the end of the service uh with the, the announcement time. But uh thank you for being here, Brother Mike, if you'll continue to lead us.
6: As a reminder of to ourselves as to lead a life that's worthy of our Lord. Stand uh, you don't stand for this one. I was a little late telling you for the other one. Uh, Please forgive me when I stand up, my brain sits down. Uh, But this next song is 282, join the choir as we sing Living for Jesus. for the next hymn. Children's Church will be gathering over here on the piano side and stand with us now as we sing 473. My more love to thee O Christ. Thank you for standing.
5: I
0: It's awesome having that many kids going to children's church, but that also means we need more helpers <laughs> there. So if you would be willing to help, we'd encourage you uh, to step up and let us know that you'd be willing to do that. Uh, we do have some stipulations of some requirements there uh, for you to be able to help with those type ministries, but uh, we do want to encourage you to help us with children's church. It's a wonderful blessing and ministry that we have there. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, uh, if, and turn to Matthew. Uh, Chapter 22, verse 34 through verse 40. Uh, You'll notice on your bulletin it's a different message, and that's partly because uh, a few weeks ago I'd started a message on the three different parables that we were looking at uh, in the previous passages, and that took me three weeks to get through. So we're way off from what the schedule I'd given to Miss Amy to put uh, in the bulletin. I've also been gone this week uh, for about four days uh, drove over 1,100 miles uh, going to Florida to visit my family and some adopted grandparents in Dothan, Alabama. In fact, Samantha's is there and our daughter is there with them now and will be coming back tomorrow, so be in prayer for them. Uh, so, a lot of things going, and I didn't get to correct things with her uh, with the bulletin. So, the message is entitled this morning, The Great Commandment. I'll be getting to the one uh, soon that you see on the front of your bulletin, and even the one to send tonight's message, but that'll be for a later message. But Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34 down through verse 40 is what we're going to be looking at. We're just going to begin with verse 34 down through verse 36. So, if you would, let's stand for the reading of God's Word in honor of His Word. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this passage this morning and we've been looking at the authority of Jesus in those previous parables, Father, I pray that you will help us to see uh, here in this passage uh, the greatest question I believe that anyone uh, could be asked here and the answer that Jesus gives to us. Lord, may we have that assurance to know, Lord, uh, not only do we profess it with our lips that we love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, but may that be the practice of our lives because you have changed us and transformed us from the inside out, from the heart uh, to the soul to the mind. And Father, I just pray that you will uh, just help us, Lord, to love uh, one another, help us to love those in this world around us, but help us most importantly, as we see in this passage here this morning, to love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. And You be seated. I believe one of the greatest questions anyone could ever be asked is, what in the world does God want from me? Because when we pray, uh, so often we spend the vast majority of our time telling God what we want from Him. I mean, so think about it. When was the last time that you stopped and really thought to yourself, what does God want from me? Well, we don't have to wonder because God has told us uh, here in his word. And the very first thing uh, that God wants from us is our faith. He wants us to trust in him, uh, in in who he is. Uh, He says that we're to believe him. And if you come to believe in God, uh, not just in your head, uh, but in your heart, uh, and you place your faith in him, then the very next thing he wants is your love. Uh, After he says, believe me, he says, love me. And that's what we're seeing in this passage here this morning. So we obviously aren't going to love God the way we should love God until we believe in Him. But understand this, there are a lot of people in this world, uh, and is filled with people in this world who believe in God, but they don't love Him. The single most important thing that God wants from us uh, after our faith is love. And so we have to know that because Jesus himself, uh, the Son of God, tells us in these verses. So in this passage, we find out that Jesus has a group of, of antagonists who didn't care for him at all. Uh, We see that in verse 34 when it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. So two of the groups are listed right there in that verse. In fact, Jesus had his enemies. And there were at least three specific groups that didn't care for him. Uh, There were the Pharisees. There were the Sadducees and there were the Herodians. Uh, And one of the things they were always trying to do is they were always trying to trap Jesus by asking him uh, certain questions. and, And they were getting increasingly frustrated as each group would ask Jesus these questions. Uh, and, and Jesus always had an answer. Uh, they, they became frustrated because uh, while they were testing him, uh, he was besting them. He was, he was answering every question. It wasn't just the right answer. It was the perfect answer that really shuts down all of their debates. And they had already asked Jesus several other questions before we get to this one. Uh, and he had given a, an answer they totally didn't expect, but one that was so brilliant that it astonished the people who heard it. And and as we said, they become increasingly frustrated here, and so they decide this group of Pharisees, when they saw that he shot down the Sadducees, uh, that they're going to take another shot at it. And and so uh, they go to ask him their question. Now, uh, they tag team on him, if if you will. Uh, Before we read that question again, though, you would think it was an honest question, except we're told the reason for the question, the reason they asked the question wasn't so they could really understand, wasn't really so they could learn more. They were testing Jesus is what we're told. And so this lawyer, he isn't really wanting to be taught by Jesus. He wants to trap Jesus, and he does ask a great question in verse 36 there. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So on the surface, that looks like a great question because it helps us to even answer the question, what in the world does God want from me? That's the number one commandment uh, God wants us to obey. So you need to understand it was really a loaded question. And here's why. Because the Pharisees, uh, they had counted up and added up uh, all kinds of laws, over 600 separate laws uh, in those first five books uh, of the Old Testament. There were negative laws. There were uh, affirmative laws. uh, And and they divided those laws even into heavy laws and and light laws. Those heavy laws were things like felonies, that if you broke them, uh, you were in big trouble for those things. And then there were light laws that we might look at today as... As kind of misdemeanors. Uh, and they would worry incessantly over which should be light and which should be heavy uh, in, in, in the law there. And they spent a lot of try- time trying to rank the various laws. But the rabbis also insisted that all of the commandments were equally great because since it's God that commands them and He is great, then all those laws, all those commandments have to be great. And so they think that they're setting up Jesus to lift one command over another, and yet they've all been given by God, and they all hold equal weight because they're given by God, and they say they should all be equal. So they think that they've got Jesus trapped for sure, because no matter which law he chooses then he would be saying that all the other laws are less than the one he mentions. Uh, The other laws are just not as great, and that would even upset many of his followers, and it would begin the end of his ministry. So how do you choose? Well, Jesus gives perhaps the most brilliant answer that he ever gave to any question. And you remember that many times he asks a question. uh, As he uh, is asked a question, he'll return and ask them a question. But this time he doesn't. This time he just very plainly tells them, he gives them the answer to this question which tells us exactly what God wants from us. So there are three things I want you to see from this passage this morning that God wants from us. The first is this, that we should love God personally. Understand this, you cannot go to heaven on the faith of your parents or your grandparents or your your spouse or your friends. It has to be a personal faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you need to love God personally. Now, I'm sure that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and and the entire crowd here were stunned when Jesus immediately answers the question. He doesn't have to even think about it. He doesn't have to struggle with it. Immediately, here's what Jesus says in the beginning of verse 37. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God. Now, we're just going to stop right there for just a moment. Because understand, what may surprise you here is that the New Testament is full of references to God's love for us but very few references about our love for God. And that's only natural because the only reason we love God at all is because He first loved us. He loves us far more than we could ever love Him. And so Jesus in this one verse tells us exactly how we should love God. God he tells us of uh, the kind of love that God deserves. And, and notice we should have that personal love for God. Notice that he 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 doesn't just say love God. What's he say? He says you should love the Lord your God. So first of all, he's the Lord He's talking about the Lord that we find in the Old Testament. The New Testament had not been written uh, at this point. So the scriptures that he's talking about here uh, is from the Old Testament. And so remember, this is a personal God with a personal name who has a personal address, who wants a personal relationship with the world that he personally created. This is a God who loved us before we believed in him or even knew him. He doesn't just want to be God. He wants to be your God. You know, so so often people talk about things like the man upstairs. You know, and that's not what the Bible talks about. Uh, It's not some distant God who's, who's removed from us and indifferent to what's going on in your life. This God is the God who is the one God who is the only God who wants to be your God. He wants you to love him as only God, as the only God there is. And he desires you to to love as if there's no one else but you. And that's, that's what makes Christianity so different and so unique. Christianity is, is not a religion with an impersonal God. It's a personal relationship with a personal God who loves you and created you, who's involved in your life. And, and, and there's all the, 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 that's all the difference in this world between calling him God and your God. He's my God. The reason why Jesus died on the cross, the reason why he came back from the dead, is so that you and I could put that possessive pronoun in front of God's name. So let me ask you this morning, is he personally your God? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Because that's the only way that you can be made right before God and Him to become your God is through Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross, what we represented here uh, in the Lord's Supper this morning in the, in the shedding of His blood and, and the giving of His body for us so that you could put that personal pronoun before it to say, He's my God. Is He your God this morning? Secondly, we see from this passage that we should love God passionately we should love God passionately and that's what we see in the remainder of verse 37 notice he goes on to say he said to him you shall love the Lord your God and then he says this with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind so understand this the only love that God wants and the only love that God deserves is all or nothing love You're to give everything, every ounce of your strength to him, every ounce of your love to him. God doesn't want to be the best of your love. God wants to be all of your love. And it doesn't take much of a person to be a believer, but it takes all of a person that there is. Uh, there, then he says here that we're to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. That simply means that we're to love God with every single fiber of our being, with every part of us that is, that is us. Uh, we're to love God. Our heart is separate from our soul, and our soul is separate from our mind. But when it comes to loving God, they're all to be synced together. And he's to be number one. See, understand this, the heart of the matter of loving God is loving God with all your heart because whatever captures the heart then captures the soul and then also captures the mind. The heart is is the driver's seat, if you will, of who we are. So when the heart loves out, when we show love out of our heart, the mind begins to reason out and the emotions begin to fill out and the will begins to act out. And that's why whether you realize it or not, uh, whether you love uh, the, the most with your heart uh, will determine what you think. Whatever it is you love with your heart, it will determine what you think and, and how you live. So, so if, if money or material things is what is the passion of your heart, then that's going to drive your thinking. That's going to drive your will and, and how you live. And so what you love in your heart determines your behavior far more than what you believe in your head or what you profess with your lips. So no matter what you tell others you believe in, You show them what you love, and they'll be able to tell you what you really believe in. So we can say all day long with our lips, I love you, God. I love you, Lord. In fact, we read that all throughout the Scripture of people who would say that and do that. But their lives and their hearts were far from God. So no matter what you tell others you believe in, your actions are going to show what you truly love. And that's why the only way people really change isn't when you change your mind or, or you're just going to have self-determination. You're going uh, to have to, self-will to do better in your life. You're going to think better thoughts. No, they change their heart. And when you change your heart, that's what changes your love. And that only comes by the power of God changing your heart. He's the one who creates a new heart within you. So when you love God with all your heart, then you will love God with all your soul. And the soul is where our emotions are. And the soul is is what we feel with. Uh, It's estimated that the range of human emotions that we have run as high as 400 different emotions. I don't know how they came up and determined that. But no matter how many there are, here's the point. We're to love God with whatever emotions that we have, with whatever feelings that we have. Even when you don't feel like it, you're to love Him. It, it means to love God with all your heart, with all your soul. When you love God with all your heart and with all your soul, then you will love Him with all your mind because your, your mind, your thinking will begin to change. You don't have to look very far anywhere in the world to, to find the results of loving God with your mind. Uh, Let me explain. Uh, The the early church was faced with the challenge of getting people to think through their pagan beliefs, uh, then then also with the Christian truth. Uh, Monasteries were founded. Uh, to, to become places of great learning and, and bringing Christians to, to great spiritual, uh, scriptural truth with secular and worldly truth. Because all, the, all truth in the end is God's truth. And so monasteries came, became universities. That's where universities came out of. Uh, we have faculties today in colleges and universities, which began when scholars formed what is known as, as guilds, which were licensed by the Pope to grant degrees. The the first major university outside of Rome was established in Paris around the 12th century. Then Oxford and Cambridge came in the 13th century. These all began by followers of Jesus Christ so that people could love God not only with all their heart and soul but also with their mind. They reflected the idea that in the beginning God created all things. Now they're far from that now in many of those universities. But people who teach in universities came to be known as what? Professors. Why? Why professors? Because they were to teach what they professed. And what were they to profess? A belief in a real, real relevant, powerful, personal God who created this universe and wants to have a personal relationship with us. So God wants to be at the center of, of who we love what we feel, and how we think. We're to love God passionately. But notice thirdly also, we are to love God preeminently, above everything else that you could ever have in your life. Notice Jesus answers this question unequivocally. So he says, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Then verse 38 says, this is the great and first... Commandment. In other words, this is the Mount Everest of all the commandments in the Bible. It doesn't matter if you obey every other command of the Bible if you don't obey this one. And until you obey this one, you really can't truly obey the others like you should. And so this commandment comes first, if you were to put it in a race, with any other commandment. This commandment uh, trumps any other commandment. This commandment is the source and the fountain of every other commandment. And that's why it's the greatest commandment, because it's the first commandment. And so at this point, it calls all of us uh, to look back in the mirror and to ask the question, do I love God preeminently? In other words, is he above all my first love? Is, he, uh, is my love for him truly first before anything else and before anyone else? Frankly, that calls for a pause to look in the mirror and to ask ourselves, do I love him first and foremost? And there are a couple of ways that I'll give you this morning that you can test. One is you could pull out your checkbook or open your phone and look at your, your, your bank account there. And, and where, do you, where do you spend your money? Understand your money tells a lot about what you love and who you love. You could pull out your calendar. You could open your phone or your, or your device there if you've got it on there and, and see what's on your calendar. What do you have scheduled on your calendar? Would it say uh, on your calendar, in, in essence, by the things that are scheduled there, that your love for God is in the center of everything? Or does it just somehow kind of sit on the sidelines for when it's convenient. We're to love God exclusively, and we're to love God supremely. Let me tell you what that means. It means you love God for who He is to you and not for what He can do for you. There was a young lady who had broken up with her fiancé, and she had written him a Dear John letter. But a few months later, she wrote him another Dear John letter, but this time it was different. And here's what she wrote. She said, Dear John, I've been unable to sleep since we broke off our engagement. It's just shattered me. I know I cannot live any longer without you. Would you please forgive and forget and take me back? I was a fool to leave you. Nobody can take your place. I love you more than anyone could ever love you. Please call me. I'm waiting by the telephone now. Love always, Linda. P.S. Congratulations on winning the Powerball Lottery. (laughs) <laughs> is that the only reason you love God because of what he can do for you if we love God preeminently then it means that our love for him is unaffected by the good times and it's unaffected by the bad times it's not affected when, when, when I fill up and it's not affected when I fill down it's not affected when, when things go my way, and it's not affected when things don't go my way. But one thing is true. Every morning when we get up and every night when we go to bed, we ought to be able to look to our Heavenly Father and say, I don't love anybody or anything else like I love you. Could that be true of your life this morning? Here's the final point that I want to bring before you from this passage, that we ought to love God practically. It's not just some idea out there, some mushy-filled good idea about loving the Lord. It comes down to practicing it, practicality in our lives. In fact, go on to verse 39. In verse 39, he says, And a second, second commandment, is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now notice something interesting there. They didn't ask Jesus what the two great commands were. He had only been asked for one. What's the first great command? So keep in mind, Jesus didn't have to say anything else after he said, here's the first great command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He could have stopped right there, but he doesn't. To understand what loving God really is, he goes on. Because understand, love isn't just vertical in our relationship to God. Our love is to be horizontal also. In other words, what we see here, loving God is the first one. It's the greatest one. But right behind it is loving your neighbor. And both of those are intricately joined at the hip. Frankly, this may not be the greater of the two commandments, but in a way, it's the harder. Because somebody has said, to love the whole world for me is no chore. My only real problem is my neighbor next door. It's easy in a way to love a God that loves you first. To love a God that that always wants what is best for you. And to love a God that has sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. But to love that next-door neighbor? But in a sense, both are impossible without the other. I mean, think about it. When you try to love your neighbor without loving God, at best, your love is going to be incomplete and flawed. Uh, Let me tell you what I mean. You'll never love others the way that they need to be loved until you first love God the way he deserves to be loved. Now, here's an illustration. Can a parent who doesn't love God love their children? Absolutely. Can they love those children the way those children deserve to be loved and need to be loved? not without introducing them to God. The God that loves them the most. The God that that loved them first. In fact, I cannot think of a more unloving thing that a parent could do than to fail to teach their children to obey the greatest command of all, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What Jesus said wasn't something original. Both of these verses are taken right out of the Old Testament. People in the Old Testament days had taught their children to love God and to love others. But this was the first time that anybody had ever actually fused those two loves together and said they are inseparable. But then notice Jesus adds something else here in verse 39. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I dare to say most of us who are here this morning, unless you're going through some tragic depression, love yourself. You love yourself by your actions. You spend money on yourself. You put yourself first in many things. That's the nature of our sinful selves. You know what Jesus does here, though? He raises the golden rule to an even higher level. You remember the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus is saying, treat others the way you treat yourself. Love others the way you love yourself. Think about how strong every marriage would be if every spouse loved the other spouse as much as they love themselves. And then Jesus ties all of this up With a beautiful bow, when he says this in verse 40, he says, "...on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets." Now, that statement was a theological bombshell. Prophets included the entire Old Testament. In other words, the Bible that they had at the time. And so Jesus just said, "...you can pack the entire Bible into those two commandments." You talk about simplifying the complicated. God took all of those laws they had created and and put them into ten commandments. And then Jesus took ten commandments and put them into two commandments. Now remember this lawyer, he was trying to trap Jesus. You remember that from the beginning? But instead of giving them a loophole that would allow them uh, to, to obey only one commandment and then just ignore the rest... He gives them two commandments that encompasses all of the commandments. So they wanted him to just list one so they could say and accuse him uh, that that you've elevated this one over the others. And when Jesus gives them two, he he negates that and and he, he squashes any thoughts that they might have had there. And so think about it. If you love God, you'll keep the first four of the Ten Commandments. And if you love your neighbor, you'll keep those last six that have to do with loving our neighbor of the Ten Commandments. If you love God, you won't have any other gods before Him. And, and you'll keep one day a week as holy. And you won't misuse His name. And He will be the love of your life. But you'll also love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you won't dishonor your father and your mother, and you won't murder your neighbor, and you won't take their spouse, and you won't steal from them, and you won't lie to them, you won't gossip about them. If you think about it, Jesus even takes those two commandments and really boils them down to one word, love. After all, God is love. The one who is love tells us that the one thing he wants from us is our Love. And so our mission is to be to point people to Jesus Christ, uh, to disciple them and to inspire them to live that cross shaped life, having the relationship with Jesus, loving Him with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. What does that make the shape of? The cross. That's to be what your life is to be a picture of to the world around us the cross. One of the marks of the cross-shaped life is we're supposed to live is this, is to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and not glorify us but glorify our Father who's in heaven. And so if you're keeping this commandment to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, if you're keeping those commandments, if you're loving the way God wants you to love, then your light will be shining because who you love you talk to and what you love you talk about. And if you love God and if you love your neighbor, you'll be talking to each other about the other and you'll be talking to them about God. Do you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Jesus said one other thing that will let you know whether you truly do or not. On one occasion, he said to these very same Pharisees over in the gospel of John, in John chapter 5 and verse 42 and 43, he said, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Wow. How can you know this morning whether you have the love of God within you? Because notice what he says. He says, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. You cannot love God the way you need to love God, and you cannot love your neighbor the way you need to love your neighbor until you first love Jesus, who truly loves you, who says to you, Love me. God says to you this morning, Love my son, and then you'll love me. And so, if we love Jesus the way we should, then we'll love God the way we should. And when you love God the way you should, you'll love others the way you should. It all begins right here with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have that this morning? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer, what a powerful, powerful verses these have been for us. That, Lord, you have given us the greatest command and the second greatest, which is right there behind it, that both are so intricately designed together that they all hinge on that one word, love. Not the way we love, but the way that you love, a sacrificial love that gave your son Jesus, who lived a perfect sinless life on our behalf, who died on the cross, was buried in the tomb. Father, I pray this morning that if there is someone who is here, maybe even someone who is watching, who has never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, Lord, I pray that they would just call out to you right now in this moment, knowing that if they were to die right now, they would spend an eternity separated from you in hell. Father, I pray they would call out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe in what Jesus did for me, how he lived that perfect sinless life in my place, died on the cross in my place, shed his precious blood for me, For the atonement of my sin was buried in that tomb and arose on the third day to give me victory over death, over hell and the grave. Father, I pray and ask that you would send the Holy Spirit into my life. Save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Change my heart this morning. Change me from the inside out. Father, I pray if there's someone who's prayed something like that in their hearts this morning, I pray they'll come in this invitation to publicly profess that faith in Christ and and then to follow through with believer's baptism. Father, I pray that that they will give the testimony and the evidence in their works of doing that, uh, of the change that has happened in their heart and their life. Father, we want you to be glorified and honored in that. But Lord, there are many who are here and maybe even watching who know Christ as their Lord and their Savior. But somewhere along the way, we've kind of pushed that relationship to the side. And we've not been loving you the way we need to love you. And we've certainly maybe not been loving our neighbor the way we need to love our neighbor. And so, Father, I pray that you would convict us in our hearts this morning, that we would come to the place of repentance, that maybe we need to come to the altar or right where we are there to confess that sin before you. And may you change us, Lord, from the inside out. Renew us, Lord in our walk with you. And Lord, help us to shine the light of your truth to the world around us, not only through our words, but also through our actions to show people the love of Jesus. Lord, bless us this morning in this invitation. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. We're going to ask you, if you will, to stand as we sing our hymn of invitation. As the Lord's laid on your heart this morning for either one of those decisions, maybe to come and join our fellowship this morning, would you come during this invitation as we sing Just As I Am? Brother Mike, would you lead us?
5: Just as I am
0: Johnny's gonna come and share our announcements along with some others. Uh, so you should prayerfully listen to these announcements. This
7: Good morning. This Saturday is our kids Easter egg hunt. It's gonna be here at the church from one to three. So if you have a child birth through fifth grade, we're gonna have Easter egg hunts divided by age, We'll also have special needs hunts available. There's going to be food and games and some crafts, so come join us for that. There are some flyers on either side if you have some people that you can pass those out to. It has directions to the church. Um, I actually have two other announcements. If you're sitting here and you're thinking on this beautiful day that you wish you had something else to do, There are two baskets. They each have 100 eggs that we still need stuffed. It has everything included. If you could take those and bring them back, we'll use them for our Easter egg hunt. Everybody looks like they could use a stretch. Everybody lift their arms up. All right, take one arm, forward and back. Other arm, forward and back. Take both hands. All right, my third announcement. There is a bulletin board for people to sign up. You've all been trained now to throw Easter eggs on the ground and make sandwiches. Those are two of the things that you can sign up for. All the other training is on the job, so help us out. We're gonna have um, lots of friends here this Saturday, so we want to have people available to serve them. Thank you.
8: Uh, just real briefly, at our business meeting last Sunday, uh, Sunday evening, we presented from the missions team an opportunity to be involved in a missions project with the Ukrainian refugees. We've got an opportunity to support them and, and sponsor a family over here. We feel like after that meeting, which ran late as it was, but there were still more questions to be answered, and we don't want to cut anybody short on this thing. So we're going to we going to have bring that to a vote at the special call of business meeting next Sunday afternoon. I think that's what it says in a minute in the bulletin. But in order to give time for everybody to get their questions answered and know exactly what we're talking about, we're gonna postpone that. Uh, We will bring it to a vote sometime in the near future after that, but we'll wait. We wanna get everybody's questions answered and everybody to feel comfortable with what's being proposed here. So uh, talk to us on the missions team. That is uh, Terry Stone, Karen Purdom, Dwayne Thames, Ben Murray, uh, Rima Bell, and myself. So please, if you've got questions, Come talk to us. We will be glad to try to work through those with you and uh, we'll be looking forward to to hearing from you. And again, like I said, we'll bring that to a vote sometime in the near future beyond this, but we want to get everybody's questions answered first.
3: Pastor Matt.
0: Just want to encourage you uh, as today is Share Sunday where we go out to the community to share the gospel with uh, people to pray for them as well. This is another great opportunity as pastors preach about to show love to our neighbor. And one of the greatest ways we show love to our neighbor is by sharing Jesus with them. And so at four o'clock today, if you want to come with us and um, you'll be challenged and, you know, I won't put you on the spot, but you just kind of observe and see, you know, how things, how we do it. and, And, you know, be encouraged to also, you know, share, share Jesus with those that we may encounter, whether it's at the mall today or, or if we go somewhere else but I just want to encourage y'all to be here at four uh, so that you can be a part of that thank you does
3: anyone else have anything that they'd like to share okay. I would encourage you to pick up a prayer concern or a prayer list uh, on the table uh, as far as the health issues and one one we need to add that is not on the list would be Sandra Wells who has upcoming health decisions and health issues uh, to be made. Uh, if there's no other announcements, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Most and most graciously Heavenly Father, as we just humbly to come to you in prayer at the close of this service, we just thank you once again for this Lord's Day and for all our many, many blessings. We just thank you for each person here and the special opportunity and uh, privilege we've had of being in your house to worship this morning. May we take this time to lift up our many prayer concerns, those that we hold in our heart and those that we know about. And may we continue to always pray for our nation, pray for our church, and pray for each other each and every day. And as always, we just thank you for the privilege of prayer, the power of prayer, and for you hearing our prayers. For it is in Christ's holy name we do pray. Amen.